This is Dr. Edith Ubuntu Chan. Welcome to The Dr. E Show, a show exploring the frontiers of our human possibilities in areas like health and wellness, science and spirituality, quantum biology, and conscious living, so that together we can awaken the best of ourselves and create our most joyful and fulfilling lives. My guest today is internationally renowned documentary filmmaker, Peter Arthur Straubinger. His film, In the Beginning There Was Light, was one of the most successful and popular documentary films in the history of Austrian cinema. It explores the strange and controversial topic of breatharianism, this idea that some human beings under certain circumstances may be able to live on little or no physical food. They claim to live directly on light, chi, or prana. Full disclaimer, this interview and his film is not here to recommend that anybody stop eating. Instead, it blows our minds open to new levels of possibilities in quantum biology and the interaction between consciousness and our 3D material world. Beyond his life as a filmmaker and highly sought-after presenter, Peter is also a longtime media and radio personality with the single most popular radio show in Austria, which attracts three million listeners weekly. He's an eloquent, fun, and engaging speaker, a loving husband and father to two very, very sweet boys, and one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. Please help me in welcoming the director of the multi-award-winning documentary film, in the beginning, there was light. Welcome, Peter. Thank you for Thank making time you. for this interview. Thank you very much, Edith. It's always a pleasure to be with you and especially on your show today. I'm really looking forward to what we will talk about. Thank you. So for those of us that haven't watched your film, can you start from the beginning for us? How did you even become interested in such a strange and niche topic as breatharianism? Yeah, it's really strange. And I understand everybody who says, you know, wow, wait a moment. Because it was for me the same, but it was a very, very long journey for me. So what's in my film in 90 minutes, it happened in my real life over time of 20, 25 years. So I'm now 47 and uh, until my early 20s i really was very conventional when it comes to my worldview and how our bodies work and how biology works and all that stuff so i really was in this materialistic bubble and i had everything sorted out or, or thought how everything works but i always have been interested in psychology and uh, from Sigmund Freud, I moved to C.G. Jung and transpersonal psychology and I uh, read a lot of books about it and I heard about meditation and I, uh, this was a really thick book about transpersonal psychology and they, uh, from different traditions, they, they were looking at meditation and it really sounded interesting to me, but I had no idea at all how this should work. And it was a long journey for me. It needed a few years uh, reading books and meeting different people. And in the year 2000 and spring 2000, I met this meditation teacher where some of his students told me, do you know that this guy doesn't eat? 
And I asked him and he told me, uh, yes, uh, I do not eat and I made this strange process and it's now more than day process. the 21 day process. It's also featured in my film. Please don't try it yourself. It, it can be really dangerous. But this guy, he, he told me that he did this and, you know, I, I heard, uh, I saw a few years before, I saw a documentary about the Swiss national saint, Nicholas of Fleur. He, he lived many hundred years ago, and it is said that he didn't eat and drink for the last uh, 20 years of his life. And But I thought this is a Catholic myth, and you cannot take this seriously. And now there was a real person telling me that he didn't eat for more than a year, and he looked very healthy. and. It didn't sound like a lie to me, but on the other hand, of course, I thought, how should this work? And, you know, there, there are uh, theories in biology and medicine explaining us why this cannot be. Mm -hmm. So this tension between heart and, and head created a deep interest. And so I, I started to do a private investigation first. I read a lot of book, uh, books and I, I visited forums on the internet and it, it uh, became more and more interesting. Also because uh, I saw that this strange phenomenon of breatharianism, how it is called in the West or in the United States, uh, is, isn't just an invention of esoteric circles in the 90s. It's known throughout all traditions. It's known in China, in India, in Christian uh, tradition. There are actually quite a lot of, of saints who, who stopped eating. And... I also saw, of course, that there are a lot of people starving to death every day. And also this, uh, there, there were uh, tragic death of people who, who did this 21-day process. So uh, I saw that on the internet on, and in books, I can prove myself anything. And this was like the start for my personal journey with this film because I wanted to get first-hand information and I traveled the world. I traveled to India, to China, uh, to Russia, and I wanted to see what's happening there. And yeah, perhaps we can speak later on about these stories that happened. Mm. Yeah, I also heard about breatharianism through my study of Qigong, this bigu phenomena. And then I started researching also myself and and found some people who did have wonderful experiences with the 21-day process, and they found it very deeply healing and transformative also, and I saw the controversy around it. So, yeah, it's very confusing. You know, what is the truth? And if we don't need to eat, why are there starving people in the world? And all these questions, I have the same. So what did you discover? <laughs> this is blowing, I think, all of our audience's minds right now, this, this, very confusing, yeah. right? Because it's, it's blowing our whole reality apart, if this is possible. What I did discover, and this is now the, the, the thing I always say about my film, this is 
the film, of course, is on the surface of uh, about these strange people, that perhaps there are a few people on the world who do not need to eat. But the really important thing is to understand that we are all living on light. But what does this mean? Because this creates so much... Uh, uh, controversy and it, it's it's great so much confusion because uh, what I mean and what I found out is that our classic caloric theory uh, isn't complete it's just a, a part of the whole story mm -hmm. and Classical caloric theory was invented in the, in the 18th century, in, in 1777. The father of modern chem chemistry, Antoine Lavoisier, had this idea that uh, the processes in combustion engines are more or less the same as the processes, the metabolic processes in living beings. And so you, you have fuel, you have oxygen, and you, you create energy and waste products. And this is still the idea we, we have in mind when we talk about food. And of course, there is some truth to it but it's not the complete truth and in already in the 1970s they they found out uh, that there are big differences how much food people need and it was in 1973 that nature the the uh, best renowned scientific journal in the world published an article how much food does man require and the bottom line is we don't know because it differs from person to person from situation to situation completely and then this article they already uh, write that in some parts of the world they the, there are people uh, where it's impossible to explain their survival by caloric measures mm. because they eat so little this was already published in 1973 wow. but it's still not in the in 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 the uh, in the mainstream uh, in in the, the collective consciousness mm -hmm. because this this idea that we are just biological combustion engines is so strong and it needed uh, more than than hundred years because it was in the end of the nineteenth century when uh, there there was this. Uh, scientific that they found the scientific evidence that this is true but they they had very old machines by then and they it was just a, a statistical middle thing and the the caloric theory fits to most people more or less mm -hmm. To nobody completely, but more or less. But it's like a Gaussian curve. The further you go out, the less it fits. And the caloric theory is like uh, when, uh, like you would 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 weigh your body, and and the how how do you call this machine that weighs your body? Uh, the scale. Yeah, the scale, uh, like like a scale that says, you know, a man with your age and, and your height uh, weighs 75 kilos. And uh, of course, yeah, more or less, it, I have 73 kilos, so more or less it fits, but I could weigh 120 kilos or 45 kilos. And there are people with my height and my 
age who weigh a lot more and a lot less. So it's completely unscientific. And everybody who deals with caloric theory knows this mm -hmm. because it, it's, it's, it's just not fitting to everybody. And so uh, it needed uh, many decades that there were, it, it, there were four scientific institutes then who dared to, to ask this heretic question, how much food does man require? And to dare to give the answer, we do not know. Yeah. It needed another 10 years that Dr. Paul Webb, uh, he worked for the NASA and uh, he, he completely measured the human energy balance. And uh, he published an article in the American uh, Journal of uh, Clinical Nutrition where he showed that in completely normal people, uh, up to 25% of the energy you cannot explore, uh, explain calorically. So like a quarter of the energy in completely normal people comes out of nowhere. They, they called it uh, unmeasured energy. And like you, you told in, in the Chinese medicine or in the Eastern uh, medical traditions, they know this. They say the life energy, the qi, uh, they call it in China or prana in, in India, comes into the body indirectly via food and, and uh, via, via breathing. But there is also a part of qi or prana that comes into the body not calorically mm -hmm. and this is now you mentioned bigu bigu means without bread that's like the, the, the chinese name for for breatharianism bigu means without bread and the or full without grains without, yeah, without grains yeah and the full name is bigu fuji so uh without grains but just through chi mm -hmm. and who live in this state of bigu, they get the, the chi, the life energy, just directly. Of course, we do not know how far this goes from a scientific point of view, but what, what I learned first, and, and this is what, what I want to tell, we all live on bigu to a certain point. We all live on light. We, we are all breatharians to a certain degree. And this differs a lot. So in, in the studies from Dr. Paul Webb, it was in completely normal people between three and 25% that uh, was not uh, explainable calorically. Mm -hmm. And now we are not speaking about breatharianism. Uh, in breatharians, this, this uh, unmeasured energy or however we may call it, direct chi, direct prana or whatever, is just bigger. It's, 30%, 40%, 50%, 60%, 80%, 90%. If there is 100%, I don't know. It's, it's just impossible to, to uh, say this from, uh, from, a statistic, uh, from a scientific point of view. But what I found out in, in my uh, journey, in my research journey, is that there are scientific studies who give us very interesting evidence, like the case of Praladiani, this Indian yogi who, who claims that he did not eat and drink for uh, more than 70 years, and he was studied in a, in a, twice in a, a hospital in, in India. It 
there was super supervision by uh, the Indian military and they found out that he was able to survive with stable, stable blood counts for uh, 10 and the second study for 15 days without eating. That's not too difficult. We, we all can do this, but without drinking. And now the really interesting part is without urinating. Because when you don't drink and you don't urinate, then it's said normally that after three, four, five days, the uremic waste products in, in your blood are so high that you die because of self-intoxication. And this guy uh, lived for 15 days uh, with stable blood counts. So we see there is something interesting to it. And there is another study with Hiratan Manek. He, he was studied for 410 days with drinking water, but uh, without eating. And he lost 19 kilos. I don't know how much this is in, in pounds, but you know, it's, it's quite a not, bit. yeah, it's, it's quite a bit, but it's, it's not much if you don't eat for 410 days. He did not die is the point. Yeah. Yeah. He's still alive, vibrant yeah. and healthy, right? All of his measurements yeah. looked healthy. So perhaps in this case of, of, uh, here Manik, uh, he, has a, a direct chi percentage of, I don't know, 95%, 90%, I don't know. And what we have to see in addition is that, and now it's getting complicated because uh, the surroundings, we are uh, nourished by our surroundings. It makes, it, it's not like these, these people are completely isolated and eat, uh, nothing but there are ways how we are nourished uh, by by our surroundings and for example it's healthier to be in nature than to be in a concrete room uh, with air from the air condition and we we will elaborate on that later i think when we speak about professor pollack um, but it's different from situation to situation, from person to person. And what I found out is that we are all living on light to a certain percentage. And we are all capable of increasing our direct chi. And that's the reason uh, why, for example, in fasting, when you do fasting in the first days, you, you lose um, your weight quite rapidly and, and 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 then you lose less and less and the curve is not so steep anymore and probably we will also speak about that how healthy fasting is and we don't uh, have to have this fear that we will die because our fuel uh, is running out because we we already when 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 i was a kid i always uh, got this sugar pills from my grandmother because she said you need energy you need energy you need energy and this is this thinking from the 70s and from the 80s that we are these little combustion engines and you, you have to put fuel all the time in, in, in the human body uh, to, to get energy. And today, since the Nobel Prize 2016, we finally know that there is this phenomenon of 
autophagy, I think you call it also in, 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 in English, uh, that is created when we do not eat, when we, we get in a fasting mode. And uh, autophagy is the best anti-aging uh, thing you can do for your body. It's the best medicine. Nowadays, they know it, it's, it's good to heal cancer. It's uh, good to heal uh, infections. It, it's good to prevent Alzheimer. It, it, uh, it's good for your cells to make you younger. And so we, we see that because when, when, when I made interviews in, in the year 2005 and 2006, uh, a lot of doctors still said fasting is completely nonsense. You know, it's the, that's uh, esoteric craziness and it helps nothing. And this was really something uh, medics were convinced. And 10 years later now we finally know you know, it's, it's a really good thing. You know, not fasting for 410 days, but nowadays we know you need at least 14 hours a day uh, where you do not eat, where you just drink water or tea, and then you, you, you create this, this process of autophagy, and that's the best thing, thing you can do for your body. And what I also want to to communicate what a lot of people of course do is intermittent fasting you know i do this every day now for for quite a long time uh, this 16 8 process so you 16 hours a day eating nothing at all and in the rest you can eat whatever you want and it's the best thing you can do for your body yeah, and they found it's not so it's interesting because we used to think fasting you're depriving yourself, but actually you gain a lot in the process of just limiting your your eating time window and possibly the dose of your food. And that creates actually a lot of benefits and including building muscles. A lot of my um, clients and patients are worried about fasting because they think they'll waste away. It turns out that intermittent fasting can enhance your muscle building capacity also. So it's very, um, very interesting area of study. Yeah, yeah. It's really interesting. And it's so important that this knowledge gets out because uh, in, in my film, um, you, you also see this uh, long-term study with monkeys with calorie restriction and, uh, it was published in 2008 at the University of uh, Wisconsin. And you see one monkey who was nourished uh, uh, calorie restricted and the other monkey normally. And just by looking at these two monkeys, you, you see how healthy the calorie restricted monkey is. And uh, the the other one is sitting there and uh, the, the hair is falling out and he has diabetes and uh, nearly no muscles and he's really sick. He, he looks like old people are supposed to look like. So is aging an overeating disease in your opinion? Yeah, of course. Yeah. O overeating is is really probably one of the the worst things you, you we can do to our health because 
I always say the big misunderstanding we had, and this is, is, is coming from uh, the, the age of enlightenment and this idea from Antoine Lavoisier that we are just combustion engines, that our bodies are machines. And you know, when you have a machine, you put fuel in it, and as long as it has fuel, it's running and running and running, and yeah, then some parts are getting destroyed and then not. But a machine can run and run and run. But the big difference is that we are living beings. We are made out of billions and trillions of, of living cells and every cell is a living being. And the big difference between machines and living beings is that we live in cycles. We, we are awake and then we have to sleep. We are awake and we have to sleep and we need food and when, then we have to digest it. We have to clean up again so these cycles are important and medicine didn't see this the these cycles so in 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 the past there was this ideology that uh, you have to eat a little but the whole day and finally we know no that's wrong it's completely wrong because our cells need this time where they don't get any food at all. So they can clean up, they can recycle, they, they can put out trash. And so, yeah, there is a lot of knowledge that has to get out to understand that uh, we are a lot healthier if we eat less. And the other thing I always try to communicate is that all the things we eat in the West and this amounts and what we eat fat, these fat and, and uh, sweet things, yeah. we eat for our emotional body. Our physical body would be happier with a lot less and different things. Mm -hmm. Now, it's still okay to eat for our emotional body, but we, it, it, it helps to understand first that it's like a drug. It's, it's easier to understand it with, with cigarettes, you know, with cigarettes, everybody knows it. You know, people know that's uh, dangerous for, for your health, but you do it because you are addicted and you are pushing your emotional body. Mm. And, but it, it, it's funny, in the 1920s, in, in, in my talks, I always show these advertisements for cigarettes where they had health cigarettes. And they, they really advertised smoking as healthy for your nerves. It's good against overweight. It's good um, for asthma and so on. And it was later on that they, they, they said, okay, uh, smoking isn't perhaps... Uh, not good for your health, but it's not dangerous. Don't worry. In the, in the, in the 1960s, for example, there was a, a big cover in a big German newspaper where they, they asked in big letters, is uh, smoking bad for your health? And you, you have to think now 40 years later where, I mean, this is no discussion. Everybody knows, every child knows that smoking is bad for your health and the same happens now with sugar you know in the in the uh, in the 1970s i think he was called john chapkin he wrote this book pure white and deadly where he said that if just a small fraction of the uh, negative effects of sugar in in the food industry would be known 
food as a, as a supplement for the food industry would be forbidden immediately. And the, the sugar lobby destroyed his reputation. He died in the 90s with destroyed reputation, no money. And finally, it starts now, you know, in, in the last five or 10 years, all these books are coming up, the sh that sugar film. And yes. we have a lot of, so it, it, this knowledge is coming out, but it's more or less the same what happened in the, with the, the tobacco industry is happening now with, with sugar. Because I want to pause you for a second, because before, um, when you said you, we're just getting to know that, that eating is mostly for our emotional body and that we have to look at food like a drug, but isn't some food actually necessary for I, physical uh, energy I, you know, I, not I, all of us are yogis or qigong masters that have absolutely. cultivated ourselves and we actually physically need that energy i'd like to clarify that so that we don't start yeah, yeah, blaming yeah. all of us as emotional eating addicts right at, at, absolutely but what i wanted to say is that our physical body wants different things than our emotional body normally because when when i eat uh, chocolate and sugar and fat my my physical body isn't very happy about that because uh you know the, it, it it's like with with cocaine and the coca leaf you know when the coca leaf is isn't that bad but if you take cocaine all the time it's not good for you and it's with sugar the same this concentrated sugar uh, is, isn't good for us. And in in that sugar film, they brought this example with the aborigines, that the sugar that is in one can of Coca-Cola, the aborigines in former times uh, ate in one year. So if they drink one can of Coca-Cola, the sugar of one year gets into the body and of course it, it creates huge problems. Yeah. And the the number one reason why people are, are dying are, well, what's the what's the name the the uh the problems with the heart and with your cardiovascular disease heart disease exactly. yeah. that's the number one reason why people die on this planet and the sugar industry was very clever in blaming fat for it in the 40s so they, they bought their own scientists and published the right studies and so on so fat was the the bad guy and sugar like i told in the 1970s everybody knew knew if, if, if you get sugar it's good for you it's healthy take some sugar Sugar. and yeah. in my tea my grandmother put sugar in and no problem yeah. and it turns out that it's really the most dangerous drug because the effects of sugar are so underestimated and you know that that you see in that sugar film uh, if anybody wants to see uh, to, to to watch it you, you see that the, the the same regions in in your brain are activated like with opium mm -hmm. and you, you really get a, a addicted to it. So what I wanted to say is that our physical body is happy with different things. And our emotional body uses often food as a drug. And this gets mixed up. And so... So this is interesting because in my book, did you get to the part of my book where I talk about the crowding out method? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that a lot. So, so that's, I think, some of what's happening with the breatharians is that they are conscious of how to nourish themselves with all the non-physical things that nourish us. The sunlight, the time in nature, the physical contact with nature, the exposure to darkness at night. We're starting even very conventional medicine is understanding that our metabolic rate and our sensation of satiation and fullness, like hormones like leptin, um, our serotonin, our melatonin, all of these things are tied to our metabolism and our cravings for food. Right, so I think the breatharians may just be at the very cutting edge of that possibility of really maximizing our capacity to tap into all those streams of nourishments to optimize our physiology so that we need the most minimal amount of physical nourishment to feed our body, to feed our emotions and so on because they're tapped into an alternative way of nourishing ourselves that actually, once we point this out, everybody knows this. During summertime, you see more sunshine, you're less hungry. Absolutely. If you're sleep deprived, you wake up, you're craving all kinds of sugar and fats because you pulled an all-nighter, you know, meeting a deadline, you're very hungry the next day. Like everybody has had that experience. And I think I love what you said about looking at us as, as really a spectrum of possibilities. It's not black and white, like you're a breatharian. You're a food eater. It's not like two boxes. It's a whole spectrum that we are always back and forth with. And, and that's the, the dangerous thing when you speak about breatharianism, that people just have this black and white thinking. You know, that you have people who need 3,000 calories a day and three uh, meals a day and snacks in between and so on. And then you have breatharianism and don't, they don't eat at all. No, there are thousands of shades of gray and colors. And uh, the important thing is to understand this, this thing about the emotional body that feeding the emotional body can help us to, to feed the physical body in a more healthy way because like you said, of course, in, in a normal life, we need, of course, this life energy that is stored in, in the food and we, we can harvest this, this uh, life energy that is stored in the food. And all these, these um, tips, what is healthy and not, of course, that's all true. Uh, but it's also important to understand that we are human beings who have emotional problems and, and we need chocolate and we need that and that and that. And sorting this out is very important, I think, because uh, people say, okay, I, I, I need a, either Snickers or chocolate bar because I need energy. That's the normal explanation. No, that's not energy. That that's costing a lot, actually, quite a lot of energy uh, for the body. But it's feeding the emotional bodies. You know, where soon the sugar comes. Wow, the dopamine and the serotonin, and uh, it, it 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 it's happening up there, and you have more energy. And what you mentioned that uh, these breatharians obviously have fixed their emotional bodies seems to be true and it turns out uh, that it seems to be quite difficult 
to mix a breatharian lifestyle with a, a stressful lifestyle and that's also something you experience when you do fasting and when i did fasting when i do long-term fasting not this intermittent fasting but long-term fasting then it's really hard to combine this with a stressful lifestyle then you you have to do this in in holidays or at least i have to do this in holidays because yeah then then i have time i have time to relax i can go to nature and uh my my emotional body is quite stable and then i'm i'm able to tap into these other forms of of nourishment but yeah you know one of the things that i a theme that we visit in in my work and my book also is this idea that the what our society calls normal is is normal to be chronically stressed out chronically unhealthy chronically anxious overweight a little bit sick you know that that's normal in our society so so all the scientific studies of studying you know you talked about the gaussian curve and and exploring the outliers versus the the mean or median yeah, exactly yeah right so we we have fixed our ideology of how biology and physiology work on what that standard norm is yeah. And, and then we forgot that, that, about the huge possibilities on the other sides of that. Exactly, exactly. And you know this the, this normal thing. Uh, it, uh, it it said you know it has to be this way. It cannot be different because science says this is normal. But no, we can we can shift this actually. And this is the the, the interesting thing that that we, we we can shift this. And wh why is it normal? It it has to do with this machine like thinking because uh, in in the age of enlightenment René Descartes the, the founding father of, of uh, enlightenment uh, he had this vision and you know I, I don't want to bash René Descartes because he was a great thinker and and he's the founding father of modern science and I, 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 I like the the scientific method so so don't get me wrong I think the scientific method it's great. It's just a problem if you make a religion out of it. And that's happening. Because uh, this ideology of, of um, the age of enlightenment was that nature works mechanistically. And they, they had this idea that all bodies are more or less machines. And uh, that there is this picture of the digesting duct where you see uh, how the stacks work inside and they really thought they can build a duck and they, they can build a, a human body one day. But it turns out that's complete nonsense. They, they cannot produce one living, uh, one single living cell out of that matter because life energy is still the biggest mystery. But our whole society is, is now built on this idea that living beings are machines and we have to work like machines. And if a part is broken, you have to fix it and you have to put a, a new thing into it. But we forgot that we are not machines. We are living beings and we work completely different. And this uh, fits in every part of society. Like in schools, our, our, our schools are... are uh, made like, uh, like factory the, machine worker yeah, <laughs> yeah. conveyor belt system. 
Exactly, yes. exactly. And this fits in every part of, of our life and we have to change this. And I, I think there is a big possibility because a, a lot of people always say, oh, artificial intelligence and robotic and that's so dangerous. No, this, this can be uh, an important part of creating a paradise on earth because all these machine-like works and things can be done by machines and we finally uh, can be the the divine living human beings that we are of course we have now to change the financial system and the economic system and everything because this is also 300 years old and uh, but there is this possibility and if we understand this wonder of life and my my film as I said, it's not about eating or not eating. It, it's about this uh, respect, this, this wonder of life, this wonder of, of life energy. If, if we understand that we, we are wonders, you know, we, we don't need to do telepathy and, 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 I don't, and, 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 and create wonders. We are wonders already. That's, that's the, 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 the real good news in, in my film. So what are, in your research over so many decades, what are those simple things that we can all do to attune ourselves so that our emotional body is more healthy, so that we are more, really we're talking about more optimal efficiency, the human being working properly again in harmony with nature, surrounding ourselves in the right environment where our, our physiology is at its top performance and top efficiency isn't that what this is absolutely so first of all i would suggest meditation and meditation there are also a lot of misconceptions about meditation because me meditating can be everything you you can uh, play golf or play chess or it, it can be all meditating but the point is that you really allow yourself to to uh, get connected with your deeper self. I think Eckhart Tolle said that uh, there is this craziness in, in our society that we, we think that we are our thoughts. We, we really believe that we are, are our thoughts and we, we are our emotions. And what we really can experience in, in meditation is that there is a thinker there there is this inner viewer and when you when you experience this this state that uh, is apart from your thoughts then you have this this connections to to transcendence and from transcendence comes this perfect divine order and and this perfect divine order that that you are you know you, you, your your human body if, if you think you, you you that there are trillions of cells and every single cell is is a, a human uh, is, is, is a living being and there are trillions of of living beings creating this this entity that's that's me if, if you just think about this about this uh 
enormous wonder and order. You see that your, your thoughts are just a tiny, stupid things. And there is so much order. And if, if you allow to create more order, then your, your emotional body gets stabilized and everything in your life gets more sorted out and more sorted out every day and i had for example an interesting experience during during filming if do we have time to, to mm -hmm. speak about please that? yeah when when i went to to russia there was this woman sinaida Par paranova and you know, it, it looks crazy because she, she she has quite a lot of weight actually, and and, and she's but, a very plump, plump, juicy yeah. looking woman. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but she says, you know, I don't eat and I don't drink. And so I asked her, "Have you ever been studied?" And she she said, "No, I never have been studied. I, I just visited this one doctor who works with Killian photography with." GDV. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just know this here from, from Austria, from esoteric circles, the Killian photography. But the interesting thing was that there in Russia, they used it in a normal um, polyclinic, this GDV uh, machine, to look at the energy body. They, they use this, for example, they, they look at the subtle uh, body and they see, for example, when in, in certain body parts, uh, there are problems uh, in the, the energy body you you can prevent this from happening in the physical body if if you you harmonize your subtle energy body first mm -hmm. so i went there with Sineda Baranova and she she made this test with gdv and she had this perfectly rounded energy body and you know I, I i have been filming i was there alone I, I did sound and i had every everywhere these machines and i it was stressful because you know you have to look at all these uh lights and and check that the sound is good and the camera is good and and hold the energy in the room and you, i was sweating all over and so <laughs> the guy there asked me to do this myself and you know that there were problems all over my energy body and holes there and i was talking with him about meditation and then he said i should try to meditate so i i and you know i have to say i meditate now for for nearly 20 years twice a day so i'm i'm I have quite a routine. So I sat there for two minutes, meditated, and then I did the test again. And wow, <laughs> in, in, in two minutes, my energy body was now harmonized. And, wow. this showed, yeah, and this showed me two things. First, this GDB thing is really interesting and works, and meditation works. And I hope to interview the inventor of the GDV machine, Dr. Kordkoff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, we will, I will yeah. work to get him on the show. It's very exciting. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So I, 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 I don't talk too much about this part. But uh, what I saw, you know, meditation works. And nowadays, this is finally also something that is coming into the mainstream. Yes. I mean, Google has now an own department for meditation and all the managers that did meditation because it works. There are now a lot of studies where you see after eight weeks of daily meditations, you already have physical changes in your brain. Mm -hmm. in, in the amygdala, for example, that 
creates fears that where, where your conditions for fear. The, the gray matter concentration is going down, and the left hippocampus that is good for remembering things. It's uh, when you compare the the control group and the meditation group. The meditation group has eight times higher, uh, more. Uh, gray matter concentration. So if, if you think about that, after eight weeks of daily meditation, you already have physical changes in, in, in your brain. And I mean, that there are dozens of studies we, we could do now. Uh, what else no besides meditation have you found to optimize our physiology so that we have this ability to modulate our, you know, energy I mean, burn and calorie uh, and so I, on? I can say, just read your book it's it's all in there so go to nature uh sunlight uh also a, a beautiful interaction with uh, with people and of course autophagy the, the 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 amounts of food we we eat it's it's dangerous for us it's it's cutting costing us a lot of energy so what i also do is the 16 eights 16 hours not eating at all uh, eight hours i i can eat whatever i want and it's so easy you know uh, when when i remember um, in in earlier times it always was said that you know you have to eat breakfast breakfast is the most important yeah. meal of the day you have to eat breakfast you, you had to have to eat so much and i never wanted to eat breakfast i just did it because Everyone says you have to eat breakfast. And it was such a, a release for me when I got all these scientific studies because we, here we have it again. When science says it's good, then you finally can relax and, and, and you can do it. Because we, we, we have forgotten to, to hear to our own bodies because he's, he said it to me all the time, I, I don't want to have breakfast. And now I just leave away the breakfast and it's so easy. Of course, this is also something that differs from person to person. You know, there are uh, morning people and there are evening people. And for evening people, it's easier to uh, do dinner canceling. We, that's another thing that medicine created that they they created this picture that all humans are the same and every recipe works the same for everybody no we we, we are all so different but it's for sure that we live in cycles and our cells need some time to digest and to clean up so uh, this is quite important and yeah, walking to the woods. You know, in 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 Japan, they they have this uh, forest bathing, forest bathing shinrin yoku, yes. and yeah, it's a therapy method there. And also, science has now a, a, a lot of research about this shinrin yoku. But you know, you just feel it. In 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 Vienna here. We are very lucky, and also in San Francisco, you have these beautiful woods. But in Vienna here as well, we have these large woods, and you know, it's it's such a wonderful thing to just go fifteen minutes through the wood, and ah, then you really feel how you get nourished, and that that's also something you will talk about with Professor Charles Pollock. You have next on on your show. Yeah, I, you know, this conversation is reminding me of a, something more fundamental, which is that we have, 
this is going to sound harsh, but I think it's true. We have been sort of programmed and brainwashed into thinking that we need all these complicated things, but really our optimal health is very simple. Yeah. Listen to your body, do what feels harmonious, slow down, find that state of inner peace and listen deeply within yourself to what feels in alignment with you. And then life takes care of it. It let it be easy. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. have to be so complicated. You know, yeah. I think when we watch the TV, the media, the advertisement is like, that makes you hungry for everything. That makes you constantly look outside. Oh, I need that hamburger. I need that, that, you know, we're just that, that hunger is actually being reinforced or programmed into us over and over with some of the ways that the media works. But what we're talking about meditation, two minutes of meditation to fill out your GDV scan that's free. Go exactly. to the woods is free. See some oh. sunshine is free, you know? And it's with meditation the same. It's made so complicated. And I remember when I started meditating, I needed years to get out all these concepts because for, especially for, for people, for rational people, it's so difficult to let go because you always think, ah, oh, is this correct what I do? And yeah, it, in a way it's so simple it's it's just be completely in a moment and but yeah we have this uh, uh brain illness called thoughts <laughs> that we do not have under control because of course our thoughts can be very helpful but most of the time they they just create confusion and uh, the meditation just helps to to let go and just be and yeah meditating while walking in the woods is a wonderful meditation because you really can be sure everything that's coming in is just healthy and, and good mm. and what about dr gerald pollack how did you come to be introduced with him and i'm yeah. going to interview him i'm so excited thank you so much for the introduction but how did you come across him this this was something I always say my, my film is like a magnet because I, I had a really long journey in making it, but the journey is going on and on and on. And it was three years after my film came out when uh, Professor Pollack from the University of Washington contacted me that he heard about my film and if he could see it. And by then it was not published in the United States and I sent him a copy and he watched it. And then he said, uh, you know, this is really interesting and I think I have an explanation for you how this works. Because this was really one of the big problems when, that I had in talking about this because I said, you know, I, the, there is good indication, but everybody said, how should this work? How should come the energy into the body, if not via food? And Professor Pollack is a bioengineer, and he, he works with water. And this is now really new research, and he will talk so much about it, just to make the story short our body water is very very special and it has different um, uh, physical and and chemical uh, conditions than normal liquid water 
and our body water is, is able to absorb energy from the surroundings. They even were able to make a water battery at the University of Washington just made out of this fourth phase of water, this new state of water that is in our cells and normal liquid water because our body water is negatively charged. And now this was the 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 wonderful puzzle piece that came with uh, professor pollack that my film attracted like a magnet was that when i interviewed for example these kung fu masters in 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 china who were talking about bigu uh, they said to me you know bigu this chinese name for breatharianism bigu you ch you just should practice where the chi fields are ordered and where there are a lot of negatively charged ions and i wondered i, I was there in the middle of china in the wudang mountains talking with the kung fu master and okay chi fields but i thought why in the world is he talking to me about negative, negative ions yeah I, I didn't understand it but you uh, i just let it be and finally with this puzzle piece that came from from professor pollack i had it because if in your surroundings are negatively charged ions you get nourished while the because really your body water is is, is nourished by nature and this was something that so many people told me in in my research there is this alpine yogi in, in my film in, in Austria who, who doesn't eat and he said to me uh, you know when I go to Vienna to the city a big crowded city with two million people in the evening I need a liter of soy milk but when I'm in the woods, when, when I'm with clear water, and he was sitting there in, in this clear uh, water, when, when I'm, I'm there, I just live with uh, healthy air and water, nothing more. And finally, with, with this research from Professor Pollack, it was clear to me, you know, that in different surroundings, it's more difficult to, to get this direct energy and this is also a reason why in in a lot of these uh, clinical studies with breatharians they underperform like i i, I told the story with with hira tanmanik who was and in a Mohina as well she did that nice 60 minute show back in the 90s they put her in an extremely toxic you know indoor environment no fresh air cigarette smokes and pollution yeah exactly so and I, I bring this example. This is like showing that sailing works when you put the boat in, in, in a, a swimming pool that is in, in a big hall where there's no wind. Because when there's no wind, you cannot demonstrate sailing. And if there isn't enough direct chi, you cannot demonstrate protherianism properly, uh, properly. But all these clinical studies are done in concrete wall rooms uh, with no direct sunlight, with air from the air condition, with positively charged ions and not negatively charged ions. So it's absolutely no wonder that they are. Wow, you know, this is, this is tying something together that I mentioned in my book also, which is just, I just posed the question, how many of our modern health, medicine, and biology studies are done on humans or animals in these very 
unhealthy yeah. artificial environments with toxic lighting artificial yeah. air no physical contact with the earth the earth is filled with negative ions so when we physically you know earthing or grounding really helps our energy also mm -hmm. so we don't know anything is the Absolutely. point because all of science is done in these controlled environment out of harmony with our natural ways in your book you also bring this wonderful example with addiction you know with the rats you know that be within the skinner box and i i bring this also in my talks always when you look at these cages where they they did this uh, this uh, studies it's like rat concentration camps it's no wonder that they they take drugs because it's so horrible and then bruce alexander built this uh, rat park where it's beautiful and they they had sex and children and suddenly they they don't need it needed to to take opium and heroin and cocaine anymore and yeah this is like our, like in our world, we we have these horrible conditions, and uh, we 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 need all these these drugs to survive. Food, real drugs, and and all that stuff. So, Bruce Alexander wrote this book that where he said we have to to have a, a whole different look on on addiction and and on drugs because they actually it's just medication for us. We we do the best we can do to, to survive in these horrible conditions. And, but we have to change the conditions, then the drugs will go away on their own. Wow, so, yeah. even, you know, in some ways, I wonder, I hope within our lifetime, we will awaken to all of these things we're talking about, where everything you're saying is just common sense to every human being, and we will look back at how archaic our society was that we created such unhealthy environments yeah. and such toxic experiences for a human being and we even used meditation that's almost like a tool to survive and in the future everybody will be naturally in a meditative state 24 7 because that's just our natural state you know we don't need to meditate to de-stress ourselves anymore right and i'm sure it, it will happen it's the question how how long it will take it's just part of this this drama and you know with with my film i got a a, a lot of negative comments as well with the so-called skeptics that are actually proponents of a positivistic materialistic worldview that they are not aware that this is a belief system they they and the strongest belief systems are always the ones which are believed to be the truth because they 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 have science and they think all these these uh, concepts all these scientific concepts they have they are truth uh, and and they they are really fighting against all these new forms of medicine of living they fight against not only against my film but against homeopathy and faith healing and whatever and you know, you could start to think, and why are these bad people doing this? And, and but it's just part of the 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 human drama. And uh, you know, in 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 when when you look at at mankind from from a higher perspective, you know, what a hundred years? It's it's nothing. What what is our lifespan? And you know. 
there is happening so much and I think these uh, sometimes horrible conditions we still have in our life, they just make it so much clearer what has to be done and how society can change. And I think also these the, the new technology really can help us to create paradise on earth and to create... Uh, again, more respect for the wonder that we are. Because in our society now, we try to be better machines and to, to be the perfect machines and to work like machines and to live like machines. But if we finally have these perfect machines who can do everything better than humans can do, in this machine world, we finally can concentrate on our real uh, human capabilities, uh, on, on everything a machine can never do, a human touch, uh, everything that has to do with the soul, creativity, and this will, will a wonderful world that we finally can live as real human beings and not as machines anymore. Hmm. The flip side of that is that we have to also be conscious of our relationship, really intentional with our relationship with machine to keep that vision alive, right? Because we are also very easily addicted to all the technology and all that screen time. And all that screen time is staying indoors in front of a screen, not getting natural light, not exposing ourselves to nature's healing powers we could end up getting very sick and killing ourselves in that process too. There oh, is both of possibilities. But, but as, yeah, of, of course, there is a, a, a utopian uh, part to this, but also a dystopian part. I mean, I mean you, we saw it, Terminator, Matrix, yeah, <laughs> the other part. But I, I prefer to look the other side. And I think if, if we meditate, you know, if, if and, and especially if, the whole humanity starts to meditate because there are also these studies that show if that we are all connected and if a lot of people meditate together you, you have a much stronger effect and if we we tap in this uh, perfect uh, order and we get more order and more order and everything gets more harmonious and, and better so I'm, I'm sure it's just a learning process and, and all these wrong addictions that we have uh, they just make it clearer because of, of course you know this is an addiction well, what happens with the screen time and Facebook and everybody's experience in that that you get to it addicted like to uh, sugar fat uh, sex, whatever you know, there are so many uh, addictions, and in in they they create in the brain uh, more or less the same things, you know, the, the dopamine and serotonin because we are missing it in the real world, and therefore we we are searching it in in these addictive behaviors. So we're really talking about society wide, all of us coming to a different a new normal, a new baseline of what we call a human being. Like, what is the definition of a human being? Yeah, yeah. And you descri describe it wonderfully in your, your book, how we can 
the, all these different uh, strategies, how we can shift uh, to a new, new normal. Yeah, I think that's even just basic ground zero off of which then we have no idea what beautiful things we could create as a new society where everybody is in that state of coherence and harmony, where we live in a peaceful, tranquil, happy state, 24 by 7. We have little glimpses of that, but that is actually our natural default state. Yeah, yeah. Now we're like, wow, I feel so joyful and balanced and happy. And then, oh, it's gone. You know, <laughs> we have little glimpses of it, but that's actually a real natural yeah. normal state. Yeah. Yeah. So I could talk to you for days and days and days, but let's close up this amazing conversation and maybe we can do part two sometime in the future again because i know you're always exploring next level things i'd love to know what you're currently working on right now how does your what's your work like right, right now, now i do in 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 austria a lot of um, workshops and uh, seminars and keynotes and i'm also just finishing uh, the new U.S. version of my film because I did an oververse version, uh, version, and um, I'm, I'm publishing now a new DVD, and uh, that will come out in the next weeks. I'm experimenting with uh, perhaps a new online course where I want to talk more about all these things that we are just exploring. Mm, what are you had 200 hours of footage so there's a lot of amazing next level things that you couldn't capture in those 90 minutes of the film give us a little taster of some of the other things in those other 200 hours so these so-called superhuman capabilities uh, like breatharianism is, is is just one of them and uh, as, as I said we all have this superhuman capability in us we, we all are living on light but it's the same with telepathy with telekinesis with precognition intuition and, and all that stuff and but normally uh, it's said uh, you know when when i say ah i just uh, thought about you and you're just calling me normally it's said uh, you know that uh, that's selective perception and you think about that hundred times a day uh, just now you remember it you know it's not there is nothing like precognition or intuition now the the interesting thing in my research was that there are a lot of studies that actually uh, give scientific evidence that this actually exists, that there is precognition, there is telepathy, there, uh, there is intuition. And like uh, with breatharianism, like we all live to a certain level on, on light or chi or prana and that stuff, it's the same with this other capability. There, there are human beings who are incredibly good and they develop these abilities to a maximum. Mm -hmm. And in, in my research journey, I explored also these parts. Like in, in China, they, I mean, you, I, I showed it at the Pranic Festival. Uh, they they made these studies with uh, ch very gifted children and and qigong 
masters with telepathy and telekinesis. That's just incredible when, when you look at this, you know, it, it's like X-Men, but in, in real life. And it's, it's just so far out and so strange that in our test screenings, uh, people, it was just too much for them. We just had to edit it out because, you know, it, we heard things like, you know, uh, now I nearly believe that there is something like breatharianism and now you're coming with telekinesis and telepathy and that stuff. It was just too much. So everything was thrown out and we, I, I just focused on, on the breatharianism part for these 90 minutes. Of course, this has also the, 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 the bad side that now people just think it's all about eating and not eating. No, it, it's not about eating and not. That's just the tiny interesting part. And the, the interesting part is that we are all able to, de to do these incredible things. And I also did this study on, at the... Uh, Institute of Noetic Sciences in, in, in Petaluma with Dean Radin with precognition where they show you photos and uh, randomly and you, you, you are connected to like a lie detector where, where your emotional levels are uh, recorded. Yeah. yeah. And the interesting thing is that your body always know which picture is coming, even if your head doesn't know. And, you know, you, you see this. And for me, it was clear that we, we all have intuition and we all have recognition, but we are not aware of it. And I, I want to encourage people to believe in their experience because so often it is said you know science tells us uh, this is not true and this is not possible no science uh, tells us there are good studies but because the scientific method is mixed up with this positivistic materialistic worldview that says only things are real where we have a scientific, uh, positive scientific uh, uh, study and uh, only things are true that are based on uh, materialistic grounds uh, are true. Uh, then all these other phenomena that are not based on, on matter are said to be uh, deceptions and except uh, there's a the problem that quantum physics has been explored since the 20s and well now we're in 2018 is about time that our common sense catches up to what science has been exploring for a hundred years now I, I, let's I, let's I, get it going you know i, I got awarded the biggest nonsense of 2011 by the skeptic society in, in austria and i went there and i, I, I gave a Acceptance, acceptance speech. Yeah. <laughs> and in this acceptance speech, I ended with this uh, quote of Max Planck, the founder of, of quantum physics, uh, about his, his talk uh, about the nature of matter. And he says, as a, a scientist who, who was researching matter all his life, he can say as much about matter that matter as such does not exist. And 
behind matter there is a, a conscious intelligence uh, intelligent mind and this mind is the matrix of all matter and and you know the 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 the, the skeptics who all live in in this newtonian physics and in this positivistic materialistic worldview they 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 were sh shocked in a way because you know it's it's like a heresy it's like the pope says god god doesn't exist just the other way around and uh so yeah as you said we if, if we take this seriously there opens up a whole new world yeah, I've heard some teachers say all of these different possibilities, how important it is to remember these are side effects. Yeah, exactly. That these are, there are so many yeah. side effects, some of which we know a little bit about, some of it we haven't explored yet, but these are all just side effects of something deeper, this deeper cultivation of our human possibilities. So where can we find you and follow your work? So the film film is online on lightdocumentary.com and you find there also a lot of articles about the backstory, about the controversy, about if you uh, go, for example, to the Indian yogi Praladyani, because you, you find a lot of nonsense on the internet about these studies and that's all wrong. And so, so I, I have, for example, an article just about Praladiani with all the arguments of the skeptics and all the research I did and so on and about Chesmohin and Hiratan Manek and about the calorie myth. So if you watch the film, it's also good to uh, do all this research on my or read all the research on, on, on the website because there you also have all the links to the scientific studies. So it's very well founded. My film has a huge backstory and if you just watch the 90 minutes of film, you know, it's, it's just, just like... It's, yeah, it's just like an introduction. There is also a blog, lightdocumentary.space, where I also write about Charles Pollack, for example. And of course, there's a Facebook group. Uh, in the beginning, there was like the film. And yeah, that's the English-speaking part of my work that I, I published in English. Mm. Yeah, there's a DVD, of course, as well. And uh, if somebody wants to make a screening in the United States, just contact me uh, and I will be happy to uh, cooperate and work with you together. Mm. Thank you for doing this amazing work, blowing our minds, but also doing it from such a, such a level-headed state where you combine your experience with meditation and all your decades of personal experience and research together with the latest scientific evidence. You know, I think that's what we really need because there are all of those spiritual people who have their experiences and then there are all the scientific ones. But I think our world need more bridge builders yeah, that can absolutely. integrate all these streams of knowledge. Absolutely. And I mean, that's also something you, you do with your work because this is so, so important. Bring this this uh, Eastern, Western world together, esoteric and scientific. We, we, we don't need uh, uh, fight and, and uh, classical medicine against 
uh, uh, alternative medicine. No, that there are uh, parts where classical medicine is good and there are parts where alternative medicine is good and Western culture and Eastern culture. And we, we, we need to combine it because we take the best of all worlds. And yes. I couldn't agree with you more. So I'm going to ask you my final question and maybe my most important one. After all these decades of exploration, since this show, at the end of the day, our show is about the next level of human possibilities, what would be your number one advice to our audience in awakening our highest human potential? Start meditating. If you don't do it already, start meditating. Just some form, not a special technique. With meditating, I really mean that you just be. You get uh, freed from your own thoughts and and emotions and just experience your true being your true inner being and then all the coherence and all the good information is, is coming coming up there there is this beautiful saying if we are praying we are talking to god if we are meditating god is talking with us and that's the, the other way around the information is the coherent and of course you can um, change God with transcendence or collective unconsciousness or whatever but the coherence the information is coming into us without uh, creating disorder with our thoughts so yes this would be my number one advice wow thank you for that amazing juicy interview that was incredible thank you so much peter so much yeah. gratitude for you thank you so much bye-bye everybody bye-bye everybody and thank you too edith that was wonderful thank you hi friends did you love that interview if you did please leave a review and share with all your friends so that many more people can benefit from these game-changing insights you can also go onto our website, DrEdithUbuntu.com, and subscribe to our newsletter, where you'll receive free trainings and next-level ninja tools that we only share on our newsletter. Together, let's turn your life into a brilliant masterpiece.